FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 313 of the podcast that goes snicked. I'm your host, Jason Venable, flying solo on a bonus episode. Um, We're going to talk about our 2018 Wolvie Award nominations. And unfortunately, uh, I talked a little bit about this when I... Dan and George, or sorry, when Georgie was on, uh, Dan missed, um, about how our house got struck by lightning and it messed up some of my recording equipment, and so instead of just con- putting the podcast with Denise on indefinite hiatus, I'm gonna uh, do one more fine solo, but you know, if I have to pass this headset back and forth, she will be on when we do the actual awards. <laughs> it's been too long and she's been on. So we're going to take care of that. Um, I ordered some, some stuff that I'm hoping will fix the situation, but it's not going to be in for another week or two. So um, kind of kind of cross that bridge and do some trial and error when that stuff happens. But anyway, I thought I could at least kind of get the ball rolling on the nominations for the Wolvie Awards and then talk about a couple of comics. And, you know, kind of make this short and sweet just so we have something out. And, um, and then, you know, give you guys a chance to, uh, to vote on the nominations and or nominate something else for the nominations. So I thought that would be cool. You know, normally we kind of do all this at once. So I thought that would be cool to do a separate episode, throw everything out there, let it kind of ruminate in the ether, and then um, come back. And, uh, you know, actually give out the awards. So, with that in mind, that's what we're going to do. Let me put my little notes here. So, in the 2018 Wolvie Award nominations for Best Writer. Obviously, one of my favorite writers, and uh, Denise has really enjoyed him as well, would be uh, Tom Taylor uh, for his work on... Wrapping up all new Wolverine this year, and then also the Adamantium agenda, as well as writing Lori, sorry, Laura and Gabby in X Men Red. So you know, you got a lot of heft behind that nomination. Um, also really enjoyed uh, Mariko Tamaki's writing on the new volume of X Twenty Three. So that definitely gets a, no- a nod for possible best Wolverine writer. And then, um, possibly the Dark Horse, uh, Ed Brisson for Old Man Logan. You know, didn't maybe consistently love it as much, but he has some really good issues. And I I can see him maybe being a stronger contender next year with with Dead Man Logan, which we'll talk about a little bit this episode. Um, Yeah, so those will be our three... Three initial nominations for Best Wolverine Writer. That would be Tom Taylor, Mariko Tamaki, and Ed Brisson. Um, for Art, for the X-Men, last year's winner, Juan Cabal, for 
both the end of all new Wolverine and X-23. He helped kick off. And then, kind of the other, Old Man Logan with kind of a sneaking in as well for uh, Ibrahim Robertson. Um, you know, whose work on Weapon X, we kind of thought was so-so, but he really stepped it up on his Old Man Logan run and did some really interesting art. So definitely want to acknowledge him as possible best Wolverine artist. So those are our three there. Um, for colorist, we have Jesus Arbatov for his work on Adamantium Agenda. And of course, last year's winner, Nolan Woodard on X-23. So those will be our best Wolverine colorist nominations. Um... For best snicked, we have the group snicked and all new Wolverine number 30 by Tom Taylor, Juan Cabal, and Nolan Woodard. Where we have um, kind of everybody uh, getting in on that action. Um, we have Old Man Logan, we have Dawkins, we have Sabretooth, Laura, Gabby, even a Shrang from uh, Lady Deathstrike. And Gabby's like, how are we going to go get them? And Old Man Logan says, we don't. They come to us. And everybody snicks at the same time. Uh, pretty awesome little snick. So that's definitely a, a contender. Um, also have the uh, the He's Back. Then the snick from Infinity Countdown Prime by Jerry Dugan, Mike Diodato, and Frank Martin. That was just really visually cool. Because you have Logan coming back and he was in the forest and you know that big snicked with his face like in the big letters it looks looks pretty rad um so that one's definitely one have kind of an alternate reality snicked uh the one two three snicked and marvel two and one number four by chip zadarsky valerie skeedy and frank martin and that's where he counts down and pops the claw on each count kind of a variation of an old old Wolverine theme, but, you know, interesting enough on its own. Um, and then, while very brief and kind of small on the page, uh, the Talk to the Claws and Mr. and Mrs. X number six, where Laura's at the party and she pops the claws with a snick and says, Talk to the Claws. That, of course, is by uh, Kelly Thompson and David Lopez. And then one of the more interesting ones... From the uh, Marvel Trick or Treat special, we have Haunted Mansion by Robbie Thompson, Bob Quinn, and Chris Peter. And that's that one where the kid's surrounded by the villains and Wolverine or the ghost of Wolverine is about to come save him. And we get a full page splash with a snick and a panel between each letter. And I've never seen that done before. I thought it was really cool. Um, and I'll be tweeting out some of these. I think I tweeted them all when they came out. But I'll do I'll do a nomination tweet so everyone can kind of see these together. But um, I thought that one was really interesting. Um, and then last but not least, from Uncanny X-Men number 2. Uh, by the, the trio of writers and Arby Silva. There's Laura gives a snick and Jean's like, you said it. <laughs> then kind of the honorable mention, uh, there's a baby snicked, S-N-I-C-T, uh, in Weapon Hex number one by Ben Acker slash Blacker and Gerardo Sandoval. 
And we actually got some snacks this year in 2018. So nominations for best snacked. Uh, the end is, you're safe, man. Relax. <laughs> and Adamantium Agenda Number 2 by Tom Taylor, Arby Silva, and Guru Effects. And then the sorry, as he pulls the claws back because he didn't mean to pop them. Uh, he was a little out of control. And uh, Dead Man Logan Number 1 by Ed Brisson, Mike Kenderson, and Nolan Woodard. So two pretty pretty great snacks. Um, and I think that may have actually been the only two, but both both deserving, neither one obligatory. But if anyone remembers one that I missed, all the ones that Charles Soule missed been doing different sounds in <laughs> um, Return of Wolverine. Um, but anyway, um, that's going to take us to our covers. So nominees for Best Wolverine Cover 2018 for the Wolverine Award. We have All New Wolverine number 32 by David Lopez, which is a pretty rad cover of Laura uh, on this building in like the rain and green light. And I guess it's not rain, it's actually just lightning. But and she's on like a, a canister with the Orphan X symbol on it. Um, and just her face, just so angry and ready to go into action, is pretty great. Um, also have uh, Greg, Greg Land's cover for Adamantium Agenda Number 2. It's a pretty great Wolverine with three claws through Iron Man's helmet. Um, and just the smile, just the maniacal laughing smile of Logan on that cover is pretty great. Um, and it's just a, it's a rad cover by Greg Land. Then we have Return to Wolverine Number 2 by McNiven. Uh, this one where he's kind of underwater and his, his hair's all wild. The colors on this are really great. Um, it's McNiven doing his uh, Barry Windsor Smith uh, homage and his art style on this series. And, of course, we have the hot claws. But, I don't know, there's just something about that cover that really just encapsulates Wolverine. Um, and then Old Man Logan, number 46, by Andrea Sorrentino. We have Old Man Logan in a very black, red, and white, just kind of three-color cover. He's walking out of a cloud of smoke, um, which is just a really rad-looking design, I mean, as Sorrentino always does. So, pretty rad. So, some pretty great covers to choose from. That, that one's going to be a really hard one. Um, but, yeah, so there are your 2018 Wolvie Award nominations and we'll get to the actual awards in a, in a very soon upcoming episode but yeah so you know you can listen to those here you can go do some research um if you want kind of look at what i what i nominated um I'll, like i said i'll probably do a, a nomination tweet thread so you can actually like look at some stuff if you want to do that and like i said uh feel free listeners to to vote or if i just miss something you think is just egregious uh, send in an extra nomination, and I would definitely, in all seriousness, consider it. Like, yes, and I'll definitely, I'll mention it no matter what, <laughs> whether we actually like give it an award or not. I'll definitely talk about it. So, so yes, you know, vote on these or send your own. And um, I don't know, probably do this. Probably be out at least a week or so, if not more, after the episode goes live. So you have plenty of time to kind of catch up and see what's going on but yeah that's the 2018 wolvie award nominations 
Alright, cool. Well, let's now talk about just a few comics and uh, we'll go ahead and get out of here. Okay. So, first up we have X-23 number 7. This is a X-Assassin part 1 written by Mariko Tamaki. Pencils by new artist. Uh, I think new regular artist, at least for a little while. Uh, Diego Orlerton. Oh, man. I normally, being in Texas, can do Spanish names okay. Uh, this one is Olor Tagui? I don't know. But anyway, uh, use the new pencil. Inked by Walden Wong. Colored is by Chris O'Holloran, who I haven't seen his name a lot lately. Um, he's been getting some pretty steady work. And the letters by VC's Corey Pettit. Woohoo! And the cover is by Ashley Witter, who's going to be doing the covers a little bit, I think, on this book. Uh, this cover is pretty cool. It's like uh, Laura walking down the hall through the perspective of a security camera. And it's all like in green tone, kind of. Um, it's, it's really pretty rag cover. And Witter's art style is very clean. Um, you know, very kind of pretty lines. Um... So yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll maybe I'll throw this in as a late nomination for cover. I'll I'll ask Denise what she thinks. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's a it's a really nice cover. Um, I like it quite a bit. Um, so we start off with um, Laura and Gabby getting ice cream uh, and having just having fun. Um, and right off the bat. I don't, I won't, I don't think this all the way through the book, but there's a couple of panels here at the front, especially of Gabby smiling, where, uh, Diego's art kind of reminds me of, uh, Greg Capullo a little bit, um, and some of his line work on facial expressions and stuff. So, anyway, we find out that they're on a case, there's been a bunch of scientists being murdered, um, and obviously, uh, you know, they're worried about, you know, science stuff, because this could be related to, to cloning and, and genetics and Alchemax, and so, you know, they're on the case, they're helping the police out, um, you know, the murders were stabbed by a very sharp blade, which of course catches our, our hero's ears, um, you know, Gabby gets, uh, she hassles a guy for littering, um, this <laughs> is a funny little scene in the park where she's eating her ice cream, and guilts the guy into throwing his bottle away, and then, um, she goes to the Alchemax building, and she's talking to Laura, Laura's inside, at some, like, control panel, and we get a really cool, cool scene of, of our mystery villain, crawling through the air duct and she crawls out and she's gonna get Laura but of course Laura's ready and she has some big like robotic blades that come out of her armor um but Laura you know Laura's claws are ready and so they fight uh, and get a really really great page of Laura kind of doing an uppercut on the villain and then a really cool, like, almost sonar effect on one of these pages that looks really great. Um, Gabby jumps across the building, catches our, our villain, 
smashes her head in a full-page splash, and she goes, KO! <laughs> and she lands on the villain's head. Um, and so they take the helmet off, though, and it's a cyberneticized clone of Laura again. And so then we go back to Beast Lab. Of course, he's going to help out all he can. But somebody comes to get the clone, and it looks like more clones, probably. So, art. I like it a lot. Um, it's a nice, kind of very clean style. Um, and the colors by Chris O'Halloran, very, very good. So the book just kind of pops, and it looks great. Um, you know, the story is more of what we've expected from Tamaki's run. Um, lots of great character interaction. Um, I'm a little weary that we're already jumping right back into a clone story immediately. I know, you know, all new Wolverine dealt a lot with clones, and, and now here we are again. I don't, I don't think it's a bad story idea. I just, there's been a lot of clone and genetic story. I, just, I don't want that to be all that Laura and Gabby do. But at the same time, it was a pretty good issue nonetheless. And because I like the art so much, um, I would give it five out of six claws. And, and hope that, you know, we do something interesting with the clones, um, in the next issue. So, we shall see. Uh, Janice also, uh, had very similar feelings. Uh, enjoyed the art. I don't know if she liked it quite as much as I did, but definitely still liked it. Um, she definitely was a little... Kind of oh another clone. I, I think it was I think it was both of our general feeling is that it's not a bad issue, not a bad story. It's just like oh okay well here's here's yet another clone of, of Laura um, <laughs> running around being misunderstood, doing bad things, whatever. Um, you know and they they want to save her, which you know fits the characters very well. It's just I don't know. I, I'm I'm a little more of wait and see. I think Denise was like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm going to give X-23 number 7 5 out of 6 claws. Um, if I had to guess, I bet Denise would give it 4. Um, I don't think she's listening to me or I'd ask her. But um, <laughs> anyway, um, next up we have Dead Man Logan number 2. This is... Written by Ed Brisson, art by Mike Henderson, colors by Nolan Woodard, and letters by VC's Corey Pettit. And, man, as much as up and down as Old Man Logan has been, this, this series so far is out of the gate running. And speaking of running, we have Spider-Man running down the hall and a bunch of Hydra agents just straight up murder him. We find out that is Mysterio's doing. He made some up random guy look like Spider-Man, and the Hydra agents got to all kill him and be like, "Yeah, we killed Spider-Man," and he's gonna let people kill their their things they want to kill by killing strangers, but thinking it's somebody else. Um, so remember that Mrs. Sinister brought Mysterio to Neo Hydra, being run by Sin, the Red Skull's daughter. Uh, also has crossbones there. And I feel like last issue we saw Taskmaster, maybe as well. I'm trying to remember. 
Um, right out of the gate, Miss Sinister and Sin are um, having some opposing plans. <laughs> Both have different things they want to do with Mysterio. Miss Sinister just wants to let the chaos reign. She knows he's supposed to help end the heroes. And Sin has bigger plans, more grand plans. Um, and so they're kind of at odds. And right out of the gate, you're like, okay, that's going to lead to some conflict. Um, and then when you switch to Old Man Logan and Hawkeye, uh, the Clint version, um, you know, and Clint's like, you know, we can't just go bar to bar beating the hell out of people. You know, we're not really getting answers. And he's like, well, Logan's like, it works for me. Um, <laughs> and so some pretty good, uh, banter between the two of them. Um, Logan gets a call from, from Glob. Then we go back to the Hydra secret base. We have some more kind of arguing about what to do with Mysterio. Um, that's funny where he tries to eat an asparagus through his, his fish bowl. And Crossbones drags him away and roughs him up a little bit and says, You ever try to play a trick on my mind? I'll kill you. And uh, Mysterio, after he leaves, takes off his helmet. And he's just a sweaty mess. He's very, very nervous. Feels a little bit out of his league. Um, like, what the hell did you get yourself into? So, regarding Glob's phone call, uh, Old Man Logan and Hawkeye go find Forge, who found the time platform, and takes them back to Old Man Logan's home in the Wastelands. And Logan's obviously very emotional about it. Um, but he's like, I... I, I can't, not yet. And Glob, Forge, and Hawkeye are like, huh? And kind of shrug their shoulders. But Old Man Logan still has some unfinished business, and he can't go home until he takes care of it. And it's really funny because I guess, you know, alternate dimension versus alternate timeline or whatever, he's not trying to undo his home necessarily, or like, like change the past so that he can't go home, because he wants to go back to his family. But he is trying to keep it from happening to our universe. So I, I thought that was really cool, because, I mean, it's, it's definitely a a slightly different motivation. I mean, it's very similar, but a nuanced difference in the motivation that he's not trying to save or undo his present, future, past, but he is trying to help our future be better, and you know, in the regular universe um so sin and miss sinister argue some more um old man logan and, and hawkeye rough up some more bad guys looking for mysterio but of course no one's talking until they get one guy who uh says mysterio owes him money and he doesn't think he'll ever see it, so, you know, he guess what, what he's got coming. So then, that, apparently, is going to be Times Square. And, um, Logan thinks about his family, and says, I can't, you know, he re talks to Hawkeye about what happened, how Mysterio tricked him into thinking he was, thinking he was killing bad guys, but he really slaughtered the X-Men. And now... He sees a bunch of bad guys again. We see Mysterio, Jack-O-Lantern, Taskmaster, the Beetle, the Lizard. And he 
pops himself full of Regenix so he can endure the fight. One last time, we get a double snick, the bone and metal claws. And he runs after the bad guys, but Hawkeye's like, whoa, what are you doing? And he starts fighting the bad guys. But everyone else sees Avengers. So instead of Taskmaster, it's Captain America. Instead of the Beetle, it's she no Iron Man. Instead of the Lizard, it's She-Hulk. And instead of Jack-O-Lantern, it's Ghost Rider. And that's where we end the page, or end the story. Um, this art is so, so good. And the colors, so, so good. This, this book is just visually amazing. And I'm really digging the story. Really, the dialogue is really good. The characters move in a way that, that, that makes sense and is really interesting. Kind of the, the, the bickering between villains is very entertaining. Um, yeah, this is this is everyone firing on all cylinders in, on this book. Working very well together and giving a very satisfying comic book. Um, I'm going to keep uh, Dan Man and Logan 2 out of 12. I gave number 1 6 out of 6 claws. I'm going to give number 2 6 out of 6 claws as well. Alright, so, highly recommend, if you, whether you enjoyed all of Old Man Logan or not, I think if you did enjoy it, this is just going to step it up to that next level, Dead Man Logan that is, and if you were kind of like me and up and down, um, I think this is really kind of maybe the Dead Man story you were wanting that whole time, at least for me, I guess I should quit speaking for everybody else, speak for myself. You know, I enjoyed parts of Brisson's run more so than others. I would say overall, I mean, it was fine. Um, there were some some arcs I really liked and some that I thought were just kind of, you know, above average. Um, this, to me, is like the culmination of everything he was doing and it is, so far, his best Old Man Logan idea. Uh, so I'm really excited to see how it plays out and, and see more of his... His character strength and writing. Um, so yeah, highly recommend Dead Man Logan to to both Wolverine and Old Man Logan fans alike. Which I know it sounds weird to separate that, but you know what I mean. Okay. Next up, we have Weapon X number twenty-seven, which is the last issue of this volume of Weapon X. So this is written by Greg Pak and Fred Van Linty. Color, I'm sorry, artist by Luco Pizzari with Alberto Albuquerque, Roberto DeSalvi, and Ibrahim Roberson. Colors by Frank DiMarta. Letters by VCs Chris Eliopoulos. And the cover by Raza. And on the cover we have M hugging a saber tooth who is cut off at the waist. Now remember, our team made a deal with Azazel go to hell and kill William Stryker's soul in hell. Uh, they all encountered their own kind of personal hells and even met some dead family members. And basically they, they fight through hell. Um, they're all able to kind of get out. Um, but Sabretooth goes back for his son and does not come out at the same time. They, I think they actually beat Stryker. But Mesmero gets away... Um, 
and Mesmero does something to Sabretooth's mind that kind of resets him, or maybe even regresses him further, and he turns completely in, you know, he goes berserk, turns into the beast, you know, he even has like a Sabretooth avatar behind him in hell, um, so he goes, he goes full Sabretooth, full animal, and cuts Stryker down, um, and is able to bring his son back, and does not get that back with the rest of his team. So all the other X Weapon X Force guys end up back on Earth. Um, you know, Mystique, Deathstrike, uh, Deadpool, Domino, Omega Red. And they're like, what happened to Sabretooth? And Azazel has him and lets him go um, to be the beast. And he's released into the Canadian wilderness. And... Um, so now, yeah, he's he's un unaxed. <laughs> he's back to wild, crazy. I'm assuming probably villain, Sabretooth. So I had a feeling, um, really from the beginning of the series that we were coming towards this conclusion. Um, and so that's where we are. And that's really all this book matters for is the story that really served no purpose other than to reset Sabretooth and kind of went the long way around to do it. Um, the art is okay in places and not so great in places, but when you have four artists, I think you're, you know, in a regular page length comic book, you're gonna, gonna have some up and down. Um, so yeah, it was, Okay, I didn't really care for this story. Um, as far as how I feel about Sabretooth kind of being reset, I guess it depends on what people do with them. Um, I don't know. I didn't mind having some some kind of quasi good guy Sabretooth, but I don't. I definitely don't mind him being a villain. He's one of my favorite villains. So, you know, if he's gonna be just old nasty Sabretooth. I do hope, though, maybe they go back to some of his kind of um, mercenary ways from like his very early appearances. But this sounds more like he's just going to be a uh, a wild brute. So I don't. We'll see. Um, as far as this issue in and of itself, didn't really care for it that much. Um, I would give it two out of six claws. All right. Last but not least, have a mention of. Infinity Wars Infinity Number 1 which is the epilogue to Infinity Wars written by Gary Dugan art by Mark Bagley uh, inks by Andre uh, sorry Andrew Hennessy colors by Guru Effects letters by VCs Corey Pettit woohoo and the cover by Mike Diodato Jr. and Rain Burrito an awesome cover of Adam Warlock sending the Infinity Stones off to, to live their own lives, which was the conclusion of Infinity Wars. And he used the Soul Stone to give the gems kind of their own agency and release them to go do what they wanted to do. Um, so on this cover, we have kind of looking down at the gems flying up out of his hand and kind of a stark, barren landscape of, of Adam Warlock and it's a great cover. That's really the only great thing about this comic. Um, unfortunately. Kind of nothing really happens. It's kind of a non-comic book. Um, 
We have a story uh, in Texas at Huntsville Prison. Um, a guy on death row, but the time stone crashes through his roof. And so he has that and is able to do stuff with it, obviously. Um, so when all the other stones went into space, the time stone, I think, yeah, I think it's time stone. Do we have a little guide here? No, we don't. The only one, the only book in this whole series that doesn't give you like the color scheme of what the stones are. But anyway, he freezes time, so it's got to be the time stone. Um, and so obviously he uses it to escape jail. And that's all we really find out. And then at the end of the story, uh, Phoenix, future Phoenix Logan finds Loki and says, Hey, read my next miniseries, which will be uh, the Wolverine Infinity Watch five-part series. It tries to clean up the timeline and multiple personality character appearances of his return and how it's all out of whack. Um, Bagley's art is fine, but this really is like, I don't know, we don't even get like a resolution. I mean, I guess this prisoner guy will show up later, I'm sure. Um, but I don't know, the art is, is okay. Um, Really not much of a story at all. I'm going to give Infinity Wars Infinity number one one out of six claws. I kind of feel cheated that I I spent money on it. <laughs> but a great cover. Great cover. Um, Alright. So that's going to do it for this episode. Like I said, kind of a shorty. Um, where are your shorties at? They're right here. Uh, <laughs> yikes. Don't do that. Um, yeah, so, I don't know if the award show will be next, but it'll be in the next couple of episodes at least, uh, and like I said, if I have to have us both speak into the same headset, Denise will be on that episode, um, and yeah, other than that, we'll keep trucking along, so, as usual for the podcast that goes snicked, Twitter is at snickcast. Uh, you can like the Facebook page. Show notes and stuff are snickcast.podbean.com. And until next time, everybody, hugs and snicks. Bye-bye. And snacked.